happy Sunday. It's so good to be here with you. Um, and what a peculiar time it is to be here with you. In this way, in this season, I mean, here we are right in the midst of a global pandemic and Eastertide all at the same time. And I don't think any of us could have imagined being where we are after Easter. I mean, many of us thought, hey, possibly we would be back gathering together face to face on Easter. And yet, uh, what a beautiful moment to trust Jesus. If you can think back all of those weeks ago to when we were together face to face, before the gathering restrictions were uh, imposed in our city and really across our country, we were right in the midst of this year-long series in the gospel according to Mark. And we had this uh, like conviction in hand that if we were to be a community following Jesus, then we actually need to be with Jesus. We need to regularly enter into the rhythms and contours of his story that are like beautifully portrayed in the scriptures. And to speak of disruption is, I suppose, an understatement. But this moment, to our surprise, has offered us all sorts of unique ways to care for our community in ways that we simply, to be honest with you, that we had no idea were coming. And one of those ways, a way that was um, rather surprising to me, uh, is the guy who is behind the camera right now, Logan, who is kind of the owner and operator at Midday Studios, he's really helping produce all of these things. You know, he also does our sound for our Sunday gatherings when we were at Central Campus all those weeks ago. And a few months back, he and one of the youth, this uh, guy named Daniel, in our community, bonded uniquely over Cheez-Its. And I know this might sound silly, uh, but just this past week, Logan gets in the mail this flat of Cheez-Its, and then he sends a text to Dan, Daniel's dad, asking, were these from Daniel? You see, it's, it's these little moments of like Cheez-Its in the mail that remind us of God's faithful presence through his body. And it's not just moments like that. It's moments of quieted prayer before God the Father. It's moments of crying with one another. It's moments of, of sharing and confessing sins through Zoom. Like all of these moments remind us of the flexibility and the fortitude of God's bride, the church. You see, we've been in this moment for a little bit now, and perhaps it feels like it's gone by quick for you. Maybe for some of you, it feels like it is just lingering on for far too long. But over these past few weeks, what it's forced me to consider is, where do we go from here as a community? And specifically, how do we lean into this moment with a depth of compassion and perspective and hope? Immediately, that the question that comes to the fore is, like, do we stay in Mark or do we pivot? Do, do we look elsewhere in the scriptures that might give us wisdom to respond in this moment? You see, after sitting with this question, I, I believe that where we need to be is where we were. And that is at the feet of Jesus. To, to sit ourselves in Jesus' presence. 
You say, don't just uh, come to this inclination all willy-nilly. After Easter, uh, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, talking to them about the kingdom of God and calling them back to himself as their place of rest and purpose. And if you know this story, it, almost all of Jesus' disciples abandoned him. At his most dire moment, this moment when he would head to the cross, not just to bear death itself, but to bear the weight of our sin. He was isolated. He was alone. And when Jesus was raised by the power of God from death to life, and he comes to his disciples, he doesn't do so with a vindictive spirit. He doesn't do so with like condemnation on his lips for abandoning him in his most dire moment. No, he comes to them with his persistent love and he calls them to this place of true purpose and rest, which is with him, to be with him. See, in the gospel according to John, there's these two times that the resurrected Jesus comes to his disciples who have locked themselves in this room out of fear for persecution from the religious leaders of the day. And the first time Jesus, he comes and he, he says, peace, sh shalom, peace be with you. This is the offering of Jesus to his disciples. And now one of them, Thomas, was not there. And Thomas, in response to Jesus showing up to his other disciples and their excitement and joy at the resurrection of Jesus, is doubt. He says, unless I physically touch him, I, I put my hand in his side. I won't believe. I will never believe. And Jesus, being the gracious God that he is, he shows up again to these people locked away in a room out of fear. And he addresses them, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas. And his approach is quite stark. It, he just simply invites him to touch his hands, to place his hand in his side. You see, after this moment, then Peter says he's going to go fishing. Peter, along with six other disciples, Thomas being one of them, return back to their former vocation. They abandon this Jesus again. So it's not just or desolation for Jesus on the cross. Now he's resurrected and those whom he's called to himself leave again. See, in essence, when Peter says he's going to go fishing, he's dismissing the call of Jesus to be with him. So it's twice now that the disciples leave Jesus, and yet he still comes after them. And he specifically says to Peter, he says, feed my lambs, love my sheep, and feed my sheep. This is the vocation to which Jesus calls Peter. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, that this uh, resurrection reality, that is that the same power that brought Jesus back from the grave, that is now at work in our mortal bodies, that this reality is so easily crowded out by like the concerns of this present moment. The next alert on our phones, it's crowded out by a looming conversation, past, present, or future. It's crowded out by like the past patterns of sin that are rearing their ugly heads in this moment as we're like stressed by work or, or the loss of work. See, 
this resurrection reality, it's crowded out by a whole range of things. And, and I don't think it's that we or the disciples even forget about Jesus, but more that we neglect the liberated life that we have in Jesus' name. And so simply put, I don't want us, especially in this season, to neglect the liberated life that we have in Christ. And so as your, your pastor, someone who has this uh, brotherly affection toward you in Christ, I want you to know that, that Jesus' loving pursuit of his disciples, it's not just limited to that. That his loving pursuit, it extends to us here today in this very moment. That it is true for them and it is true for us. For those of us who love Jesus, who've trusted for life in his name. And so to that end, we are going to turn to Mark to sit ourselves with Jesus. And not just to behold his faithfulness, but to encounter the true purpose to which he calls his disciples. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and flip or tap your way on over to Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 13. And this, this is what we read. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. See, these three little verses, they they function as this summary statement, kind of um, tucked in between these two passages on crowds surrounding Jesus and Jesus calling his disciples near. But it's like this summary statement of the vocational call that Jesus extends to those whom he loves, to his followers. Now, this is the very thing that Peter steps away from when he says that he's going fishing in John 20. And this is the seedbed for this call. And I want us to notice three things about these few verses here. First, Jesus's appointment. This word that literally means make. Think um, like back in Genesis 1 and 2, the making of the cosmos. Jesus appointed, he made these disciples into apostles, direct representatives. Notice that his appointment, it starts by simply being with him. And second, notice that Jesus' appointment, it extends to preaching. This announcement, this announcement that the good news of God has come near in Jesus. And lastly, notice that Jesus' appointment, it extends to the point of having authority over the cosmic powers that are now at work in this present evil age. And so for the remainder of our time, I just want us to turn our attention to these three little movements of Jesus's call toward our purpose in life with him, in apprenticeship to him. And so would we just allow this, would you allow this to uh, shape your vision for what it is to be with Jesus in this moment. So before we go any further, let me just say a quick word of prayer to uh, just draw us back to what we're doing here. So Father, I submit that um, 
even in this, um, through this medium, that it is only by the power of your spirit that our affections are stirred for Jesus. Spirit, that is what you do. You bring us to Jesus. Jesus, you bring us to the Father. And Father, Son, Spirit, you bring us to the reality of new life. And so I would just pray that as we look at what it is you've called us to, namely yourself, that we would breathe in a fresh measure of grace to know that you are the one who is our all in all, that we could be satisfied in you and that we can move from a place of rest and compassion and hope today. So Jesus, it is in your strong name that I pray, amen. So first, to be with Jesus. Now, this is nothing new for the disciples. Uh, in fact, this concept is at the core of what it means to be a disciple in Jesus's day. Uh, you would be with your rabbi, your teacher, 24-7, 365. This was part and parcel of being a disciple. And yet for many of us, when we hear the word disciple, um, it's anything but clear. It's cryptic, it's confusing, it's kind of caught up in religious speak. And so just to alleviate some of the mystique that may surround that word for you, plug in the word apprentice in its place. This word apprentice, at least in the English language, it helps us to capture the breadth of discipleship within a known framework. Like for example, if, if you're to be a, a pipe fitter or a master pipe fitter, then you are required to log thousands of hours with the pipe fitter who is a master pipe fitter. <laughs> So you, you sit with them, you observe them, you dialogue, you listen, you apprentice under their teaching. And so too is it with Jesus. To be his apprentice, to enter into discipleship to Jesus, is at its core to be with him. But qu quite frankly, like, how do we see this come true not only in the chaos of like life at home and COVID-19, but in a digital world. Like what is it to be with Jesus now? And I love how John Mark Comer, he's a, a pastor leading out in Portland. I love how he says it. He says, to experience the life of Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. See, this is the unhurried life of Jesus that we encounter on the pages of the scriptures. A life that is present to the Father and present to his followers. See, multiple times in the gospel according to Mark, when, when Jesus' ministry is flourishing, he goes away to this place that Mark calls the desolate place. You might even see it that he withdraws to the desolate place. And he does so to, to pray to be with the Father in this place of intimacy. That's what it is to be with Jesus. It is to cultivate intimacy with him. It's to see Jesus as more than just our savior or our healer. He is that for sure. He is our savior. He is our healer. But it's to come to him as, as friend and comforter, where, where we value being with him, over doing Jesus-y things. And I know maybe this isn't a particular problem for you or challenge for you, but for me, I so often ask, okay, what do I have to do to be? It's just this natural inclination. So, okay, do I, do I Sabbath? Okay, well, I'm gonna win the Sabbath. Okay, silence and solitude. 
All right, I can, I can do that for maybe 30 seconds, but I'll try. Um, okay, so what else? Prayer? Yes, I'm going to crush this prayer. Not, okay, maybe that's like a bit overblown, but that's like this framework that I, I don't know how it comes to be. So it takes a great measure of intentionality for me to like unwire those things because that's my natural wiring. I, I ask, what do I have to do to be? What I'm coming to realize, especially in this season where doing doesn't really get me very far, is that I get to slow down and just to notice that Jesus is already present here with me through his spirit. So I get to like just breathe and just like pray at the same time, just breathe in God's grace and exhale my frustration, to, to breathe in God's grace even now, See, this is the place from where our purpose extends. It's just being with Jesus, searching for him in the scriptures, imagining him in our mind's eye, locking eyes with him in our imaginations. And from this place, it's then that we announce the goodness of Jesus. And so too, this is what Jesus calls his disciples to to proclaim, to preach the goodness of Jesus, to, to preach the kingdom of God. I mean, this is what Jesus has been doing this whole time. And now, you know, th this is an interesting thing because right now I'm preaching. In case you didn't know, this is what's actually happening. I'm announcing that the reign and rule of Jesus is at hand and that there is life to be had in his name. And this is what Mark is talking about. This is what the disciples will go and do. They will announce the goodness of the name of Jesus and that the kingdom of God is at hand in his name. But you see, this is, this is what's interesting is everything we say has implications. And everything we do announces or it preaches something about us. And I think that it begins to preach what is most true about us. What I mean by that is our life displays our allegiances. And so just ask yourself this question. Am I living in community life in such a way that activates the presence of God through my speech, through my relationships, through my, my posture toward others? Or am I acting in such a way that stirs up death and malice and like the lusts of the flesh? Am I plotting for retaliation or scheming? Am I giving life or am I giving death? Because for Jesus's community and, and specifically the disciples here, it is from that place of deep abiding, that place of being with Jesus, that then we call forth and we manifest our life with Jesus in the presence of others. So there is no preaching in Jesus's name, no manifesting our life in Jesus apart from being with Jesus. It, it's a natural overflow. See, the scriptures tell us that we have been brought into a liberated space by the power of the Spirit. This is where we live, liberated by and through Jesus. And this is the reality that we see unfolding in the gospel according to Mark. It's where we will situate ourselves over these next number of weeks. And, 
And what we see unfolding is that Jesus entered into the world of sin and death, but that Jesus did not succumb to the enslaving grip of sin and death that has overcome us. See, rather, Jesus lived a life of complete faithfulness before God the Father, and it is precisely his faithfulness to God that shattered and broke loose the very real grip of these entities called sin and death. This is the authority of Jesus. This is the movement from being with Jesus to preaching Jesus to having authority to cast out Jesus demons in Jesus' name. This is the authority of Jesus, an, an authority that shakes loose the powers and principalities of this present age. We actually see this in the, the passage immediately preceding verse 13. See, Jesus is being pressed by all the crowds there in verse 7. We see that he withdraws by the sea. It's after this moment of conflict with the religious leaders of the day. And the crowds, they're coming from all over the world. Well, really the world of Jesus. So all around Israel, they're, they're flocking to Jesus. But they're coming to him as healer. They're coming to see the mighty works, possibly to just reach out and touch him. They're crowding around. And don't, don't think like first century celebrity, like they have like Bieber fever kind of a thing going on. It's, this is not the case. Like think um, COVID-19 crowds clamoring for toilet paper and Jesus is the TP. Like they're just trying to get to that thing that, because they, they're so desperate for it. That it's, this, it's this mob motivated by desperation. And among this crowd are unclean spirits. And whenever these unclean spirits see Jesus, they cry out, you are the son of God. And then they fall on their faces in reverent fear before Jesus. This is the authority then that Jesus hands over to his apprentices. He just gives it away. I think it's remarkable, you know, when other people in authority are there, they hoard their power. But for Jesus, he gives his away. He is generous with his authority because Jesus, Jesus is is calling his disciples not just to be with him. That, that is the start, but he's calling them to become like him, to do what he did. This is the whole movement of being an apprentice to a rabbi. Like you don't just go to be a pipe fitter just to know a lot about fitting pipes. You actually want to go out into the field, out into the world and do that thing so too the disciples of Jesus. And Jesus is reminding them that this is part and parcel of following him. It is having authority over the cosmic powers in his name. And notice this, who are the disciples called to have authority over? It's the unclean spirits. Their authority is aligned with the liberating power of the gospel. It's not contrary. So the authority is not over people. It is over the unclean spirits. Because the call of Jesus is the call to liberation. It's the call to true freedom. It's the call to life. And I think what is so beautiful and captivating about Jesus is that this call, he actually embodies himself. 
because Jesus, he gave himself over to these powers so that we could be freed from them. This is the authority. He allows these powers to have their best shot, for death to give its final blow. And it is that faithfulness even to the point of death. And, and, and no one took Jesus' life. He freely gave it over. But is this faithfulness even to the point of death then that Jesus hands over to us so that we too could look death in the face and set the captive free? This is the power of Jesus that he's calling his disciples to. And so in light of that, we get to ask ourselves from these few verses, what does it look like to go through my day in light of this? To be clear, we are not apostles like the apostles are apostles here. I do believe that there is this unique call upon people's lives to move with power in the name of Jesus, but we were not alive with Jesus. We're not like among the crew who in the book of Acts, when they're replacing Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus that they're looking to, but by no means. And yet we too get to ask this question of, of what does it look like to go through my day receiving the call of Jesus, to be with him, to, to like proclaim with the whole of my life the good news that God reigns, to, to stand in authority that the cosmic powers of this present age actually have no authority in the name of Jesus. And, and I know that this can be kind of odd for us today because we're learning how to be with Jesus in two places at once. You know, we're, we're trying to learn what it is to be with Jesus while we're at home. What we're trying to learn what it is to be with Jesus while we're at work. And right now we're trying to learn what it is to be with Jesus while we're at home working on our computers. I mean, it's, it's this whole weird thing. And this is the beauty. Is that just as Jesus came to his disciples all those years ago, he has come to us. There's this moment when Jesus is speaking to his followers and he says, it's better for me to go away than it is to stay. See, if Jesus stays in the flesh, then he can only be at one place. But if he goes to be with the Father, then through the power of his spirit, he can be with each and every one of us to draw us near to himself, to remind us of our purpose and place of true rest. And so today, we're asking this simple question, what does it mean to go forward? Well, let's just start with this. Let's start by being with Jesus. You know, it's amazing what words of life and encouragement can do. They actually speak power into that moment. They speak like gospel liberation into the lives of those whom we love, those who are far from us and are far from Jesus. But none of that takes place unless we take time to be with Jesus. The, the most simple place in the world to be today is alone with Jesus. And yet, I think one of the most difficult places for us to be today is alone with Jesus. And so here's the invitation I have for you, church. Let us win the day. It's a simple thing. There's a church all the way in Melbourne, Australia that does this, but they start out their day like this, by winning the day. 
They realize that right now, they stand as these little outposts of hope in the kingdom of darkness, that, that God is faithful to build them up through the power of the Spirit, and yet they need to be with Jesus. They need to order their lives, that nothing in their lives can extend yet from a place of abiding with Jesus. That is, Jesus says, you can do no thing apart from me. And so, this is the invitation. Let us be with Jesus. Take five, 10, 15 minutes if you have it before you start the day, before you open your phone and just be with him. Ask him, what are you up to today? R read a simple passage in the gospels. Read, just go to the Sermon on the Mount. See what the ethic of Jesus is. And just say, Jesus, what are you up to? How can I be with you today? And then just take a moment, let, let your thoughts like just go a random and then just draw yourself back to his presence. Church, we have a moment in front of us to be with Jesus in a way that we simply have not yet had. So let us take this moment to be with Jesus so that we might become like Jesus, so that we might do what Jesus has done to be his presence in this present moment. Perhaps you're thinking, Kyle, I don't want the call. I don't want the call of Jesus. I, I don't want the call to be with him. I don't want the call for my whole life to some way be interconnected to his life. I, I don't want the call to have like authority over the cosmic powers in his name. I just don't want it. Well, you're not alone in that. Some, something that is... Like becomes so present to me in this season is that Peter didn't want the call. He said, I'm going fishing. Not once, twice, three, four times. Like he, Peter is time and time again stepping away, but Jesus faithfully comes to him because he sees something in this no-name fisherman from the Galilee that he wants to draw out to change the scope of the whole world. You see, the church is not dead. The church is very much alive. You are evidence of that right now. And I, I totally get if you're like in your innermost person, you're thinking, I don't want the call of Jesus because Jesus is going to call us to hard places. Jesus is going to call us to conversations we simply don't want. Jesus is going to call us in this season, perhaps today, to like lay forgiveness over, to like give over our bitterness to him and forgive somebody we did not want to so that we might step into this place of deep abiding with him. Because maybe, just maybe, your rejection of the call comes from this place where you think Jesus certainly couldn't want me. But let me just tell you, that is a lie. Because Jesus so wants you. He wanted you to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, true love is a love that gives itself over not a love that hoards up power for self-gain. That is the invitation we have, is to give ourselves over in love. That's why we want to win the day. Not so that we can say, here we stand victorious. No, so that we have 
like welling up inside of us the generative and generous love of God so we might give it away. This is our invitation, is to be the type of people who are so caught up in the presence of God that it just spills over and people are wondering, how in the world, how in the world is this happening in a moment like this? Why are Cheez-Its landing on the front doorsteps of people's homes? It's because of the love of Jesus. This is our call, to love and live like Jesus. So let us win the day to be with him. Let us just start there, church. May grace and peace be with you. Amen.